entrance to the tomb of ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I am the tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson. Welcome back, Tomb Believers, to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. My name is James Hickson, and usually I have with me my lovely co-host, Trey Lawson, but as you probably already noticed, this is not what we would call a normal episode of the Tomb. Unfortunately, both Trey and I were a bit under the weather this weekend when we were planning to record, so... This is actually going to be an episode of Outtakes, uh, basically some of the tangents we've gone on between the segments you've heard on the show. So these kind of go in between some of the segments you've heard before. You'll hear us talk about our then-upcoming meeting with Joe Bob Briggs in Charlotte, North Carolina, as well as talking about the perils of reading Golden Age comic books. And, of course, as always, talking about Spider-Man. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some of the segments that didn't make it onto the regular show. And I'll be back with you shortly. This October, the Cinebunks Podcast Group invites you to our annual celebration of all things spooky. Cineween. From October 1st to October 31st, Cinebunks.com is your home for having scares and fall phobias. New writing, special podcast episodes, Patreon-exclusive content, all to make you feel seasonally creepy. <laughs> Joe Bob's Halloween Hootenannies, the premiere event of the Halloween season, hits the Shutter streaming service at 9 p.m. October the 25th. And I'm just warning you in advance, I know you guys have some movies that you watch every Halloween. There's that one that you always watch, I would advise you, just hold off on that one this year. Or watch the new one, because we can't even afford that one. Uh, cut. <laughs> nope, not saying that. Gotta go back to the top. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, no, I, I try. I actually also had tried to track down the Joe Bob issue, and it is apparently out of print everywhere. Dang it, because I was going to have him sign it for for me. Yeah, um, you can. I found them on eBay, but they're going for at least fifty bucks. Most of them more. Jeebus. Jeebus wept. That's ridiculous yeah it was just darcy for one (laughs) (sighs) all right let's talk about this i feel like i feel like i can't bug the editor of the magazine again because i already did once what did you beg for well so so um the editor of Fangoria and I are mutual followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my dad a subscription for Christmas. But I just missed the deadline for getting him the first issue of the relaunch. So his subscription was starting with the Joe Bob issue. 
which would not come out until after Christmas. Um, the uh, editor of the magazine saw me talking about this on Twitter and DM'd me. And after going back and forth a little bit, he ha- he still had a handful of issues of the first issue left. And he FedExed me one so that I would have it in time for Christmas. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah, yeah. But what you're telling me here... But I feel like... I feel like that's a thing I can only do once. <laughs> but what you're telling me here is your father has a copy of the Joe Bob issue. <laughs> he does, yes. Hmm. <laughs> I want to send your father a gift. What's his home address and what's the security code? <laughs> I mean, um... <laughs> <laughs> um... I just feel bad that we're going to go see him in April and not have anything for him, like, a sign or something. Oh, we will find you something. The What sucks is that most of his movie books are out of print. Right? Like... Um, like, Joe Bob Goes to the Drive-In and Joe Bob Goes Back to the Drive-In, I think, are both out of print. Which themselves um, are, like, 50 bucks on eBay. Right. Um, now, I see... Dead people? Huh. <laughs> um. Like, Joe Bob goes back to the drive-in. You can still find used copies... Starting at around 30. That's still high for a paperback, though. Yeah. We'll figure something out. And, um, I've got a copy of, uh, it's actually a UK publication. It was called, uh, Profoundly Disturbing. Uh, it's a different collection of some of his movie essays. So it's it's got it's actually got some of the material that was part of his monologue on uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from the the marathon. I can understand that. I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, no, actually, a lot of the stuff in between segments when he goes off of talking about the movies, especially like when he goes off on tangents about like probiotics and stuff, like a lot of that is stuff that it's adapted from essays he's already written. That's understandable. But uh but it's also got uh his essay on the exorcist, which was why I bought it. Oh. Um I think like he's talked about he would like mail that to people if they asked for it. Oh, the the Texas Chainsaw uh review. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a copy of it if you want. Okay. Please do. Yeah, I no, I uh, he, he emailed it to me back after the marathon. Of course you emailed him. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm responsible for anything, but in my email asking for that review, I also said that I really hoped that someday soon he would come to this part of the country so that I could come to one of his events. 
And in his reply, he mentioned that he had not been, he had never done his show in the Carolinas, that he would have to look into that. Um, I'm pretty sure that was all you. <laughs> and you should let him know that we're coming, so, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we can shout out the podcast on stage. <laughs> Speaking of doing good stuff, we should talk about some bad stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Get to this Ghost Rider issue. Oh, boy. Uh, let me get to that. That wasn't even a sentence. I trailed off. <laughs> it doesn't deserve a sentence. The world's strongest hero. The warrior from a hidden island. The master of super speed. The wielder of the weapon from beyond the stars. The champion of the seven seas. They are the only ones standing before a world beyond the brink of collapse. Their mission, abolish war and crime, eliminate poverty and hunger, clean the environment, cure disease, even stop death itself. They promise within a year to make the world a utopia, no matter how many lines they might need to cross. Coming soon to the Pulp to Pixel Network, the Squadron Supreme Cast. An exploration of Mark Gruenwald's epic 1985 Squadron Supreme miniseries. A look at the heroes, the villains, the fine lines separating them, and how this miniseries continues to play an influence in mainstream superhero comics. Dick Tracy, Wethead. Dick Tracy, The Dry Look. Clark Kent, Wethead. Clark Kent, The Dry Look. Shazam! Wicked! Shazam! The Dry Look. The Dry Look makes a good guy look even better. And only Gillette has the adjustable valve to spray as light and dry as you like. So come on, hero. Get rid of that wet look. Get the Dry Look from Gillette. Aerosol. And now, a liquid too. So, yeah. These Captain Marvel comics are racist as fuck. Yeah. Um. Again, Golden Age. Uh, see also the spirit yeah ebony white yep 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 um also depictions of japanese in um pretty much any world war ii comic yeah even like and i'm only like one issue in Mm -hmm. this is the second story in the first comic of the ones you recommended yes and even the first one had some pretty uh, bad depictions of Italians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, you're you're going to get that. It's not... Like, just one. Like, Mussolini. Yep. It was the only one up there. And I, I could kind of excuse it because it's Mussolini. Oh, yeah. But... But that's the other thing. He's talking like these. So. That's the other thing, is that, like, the Monster Society of Evil includes Mussolini and Hitler. <laughs> Oh, that's something to look forward to. Like that like the Monster Society of Evil is a combination of actual monsters and like real people. Okay. Fawcett stopped using Steamboat in nineteen forty five after a successful appeal from the Youth Builders, an integrated group of some eleven thousand school children from New York and Philadelphia. That's nice. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the reason I recommended that one is, one, it is, like, legitimately the most famous of the Golden Age Captain Marvel stories. Um, 
but also it was the first like year-long story arc in a superhero comic ever i mean besides that i mean the action is fun yeah yeah the humor is not terrible except when it's at the expense of a black character or right a racial I mean, it, caricature. it is it is of its time is probably the most generous way to describe it in terms of its sense of humor yeah i know that captain marvel is considered some of the finest of the golden age stuff yeah and it has its ups and it has its downs in terms of storytelling the arc you're looking at is one of the most innovative because again they told a single story over about a year's worth of comics and that yeah. that was something that they just didn't do back then like they were like decompressing before anyone had thought of it <laughs> um i would also say uh look at the very last captain marvel comic that was done under fawcett like before they went under because that one is just mind-blowing um, which one is it because there were uh, captain marvel versus the world or something like that or versus the earth okay um like that one is a, a famous one that's worth looking at um of course the the i can't remember the issue numbers but the the original black adam stuff is worth reading just because that's the most famous villain um, actually, rather than me just trying to rattle off story titles, um, there's an old Comics Alliance article that basically breaks down, like, by decade, the Captain Marvel stories worth reading. But because it's Comics Alliance, will it be gone? No, the, the site is still up. They've not posted anything new since they shut down, but they've not taken anything down. Okay. Um, That's helpful. Yeah. In fact, let me see if I can find that link. I think I found it. Okay. Yeah, and like usually the the like I think Benito Serino wrote that one. Um, and usually they would like list the number one story that they saw from that they what they think of as the number one story from that decade, and then beneath it they'll list like at least five or six others worth looking at. It's a good thing we don't do a Golden Age podcast, oh, because I, I think... I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> no, I, I think, like, every other sentence out of our mouth was, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, even old um, Donald and Scrooge McDuck comics occasionally oh, got... Good. They occasionally got to be problematic. Like when they would run into natives and stuff. I know, of course, the Tintin thing is famous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the famous one. Tintin in the Congo. Yep. Um, so, did you see the movie? No, I haven't seen the movie yet. You, 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 you should see the movie. I should see the movie? It's real good. Um, just speaking generally, my take on it is Billy Batson is to the DC universe in movie terms what Peter Parker is to the MCU. 
Oh, so he's a fanboy. Not quite. He's not a fanboy. But but that sort of the 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 I the mixing of the superhero and the coming of age stuff. Okay, I got you. And it's it's kind of not fair to Peter to call him a fanboy. Right. Because really he's a lot more in those movies. Yeah. I think. Oh, absolutely. And I and I honestly think he's the most well-developed Peter Parker. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of all the Spider-Man movies. I agree. Mind you, I know there's some people who will fight me on this. But I'm not one of them. No. But there are people, and I think some of our listeners are included in there, who they they would fight me that say, like, oh, no, uh, uh, Andrew Garfield's the best. Or Tobey uh, Maguire. Maguire's yeah. the best. And, of course, um, those listeners are wrong. I mean, sure. Um <laughs> Almost goes without saying. Um, God damn it, I will get letters, even if they're angry letters. <laughs> of course. You know what nobody has ever said, ever, um, is that the one true Spider-Man is Nicholas Hammond. <laughs> oh, poor Nicholas Hammond. It's not his fault. The effects just weren't there yet. No. And 70s American TV writing was not great. No, it really wasn't. Not I mean, for you try to watch any, you try to watch any show from the 70s, it's kind of like in terms of that kind of like kids adventure show. Like they were not well written because they didn't have to be. Yeah, I think I honestly think the Hulk might be the one of the better shows from the nineteen seventies. Absolutely. Um, and I can think of a few others, but the Hulk is is a really great one. Um, like I, I watched a little bit of the uh, the seventies Shazam TV series the other day because uh, they remastered the whole thing in HD for the DC Universe app. Nice. And uh, that's that's some rough going. I mean, it's not that's it, not fair to the series. It it is it is exactly what it intends to be. Like it's not failing at anything. It's just it's basically the Incredible Hulk formula, but for even younger kids. Mm. And and stripped down to the barest of of uh, budgets. Wait, is the old good? Oh, sorry, the old dude that tours around with him, the wizard Shazam? No. Okay. No, the old guy's name is Mentor. Alright. That's not his title, that's his name. But he is the inspiration for Grandpa from Ben 10, right? Pretty sure, yes. Yeah. You've seen the Alex Ross piece, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ben Tins in there. Yep. Um, and if we're... Mm-hmm. Well, just the the wizard only appears in animated form. Okay. Like, the show was produced by Filmation, and so, like, whenever Billy has his vision... Actually, it's not even the wizard Shazam. It's... If, I, if I'm remembering correctly, it's actually the embodiments of the uh the various mythological figures that give him his power interesting 
But I think they basically took the wizard out of the equation. Now, I'll tell you what is awesome is the uh, Adventures of Captain Marvel serial. I've seen some episodes. I have. The, I never finished. I it. have the Blu-ray. I have the DVD. Yeah. Well, I, I, picked I, it up at... I had the old DVD way back when. Yeah, I had a DVD, and then it decided it didn't want to play anymore. Mm. So I never finished watching it. Um, the Blu-ray is actually on sale this weekend. Like the the company that did the remaster, uh, Kino Lorber, um, realizing that Shazam is currently making money and just opened um they put the blu-ray of the serial on sale i know it's supposed to be one of the better uh, superhero serials i would say it's one of the best adventure serials period superhero otherwise the second green hornet serial is actually really good i like both green hornet serials um i agree the second one probably has slightly higher production values um but i I like the one that now, do both of them have um, Key Luke in them? Yes. Okay, because I knew the second one did, but I can't remember if he was in the first one. Yeah, too. he's in both. The main difference is the first one has a gimmick that the second one doesn't have. Um, the first one, the actor who plays Britt Reed is only the body of the Green Hornet. Whenever he puts on the mask the voice of the actor who played it on the radio show takes over. I remember that. Okay, yes, I, I've definitely seen the serial, and it actually works a lot better when they just let the actor do it. It does. It does. Um, it, it, it was a clever gimmick, and it tied things in with the radio show nicely, but, but it, it worked better with just letting the actor do his thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, like if you compare the Adventures of Captain Marvel serial to the Superman serial, like it's night and day. And it's not the, I've never seen it, any of the Superman. It's not serial. the fault of the performers. The performers are great. Uh, Kirk Allen was a very good Superman. Noel Neal is fantastic as uh, Lois Lane. Um like the cast is good. It's just the company cheaped out on the special effects. Oh yeah, cuz you get an animated Superman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Captain Marvel, they use a variety of effects. They use wire work, they use dummies, they use all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I I, I need... I always tell myself I need to watch more things, but I never have time to watch more things. Um, like, I've watched... I, I really want to see some more um, of the Rocketman serials. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you the mean, only ones I've... You mean not just the MST3K segments? Yeah, that's the problem <laughs> I've run into. I've only seen the MST3K segments. Oh, uh, uh, Commando. And the, commando and the thing is, you know, uh, I, I actually enjoy watching them. Yeah, yeah, no, they're fun. They're goofy, Although I, but they're fun. When, when I do watch them, I will be saying, nipple, nipple, twist, twist, fly. <laughs> uh, because um, in, you in have to. In Tom Servo's mighty voice. Nibble, nibble, twist, twist, fly! <laughs> oh, Kevin Murphy, you have one of the best voices of it out there. But yeah. Okay. We should probably start recording an episode. We should probably talk about Marvel Comics. <laughs> and yeah. not Captain Marvel Comics. Yeah. 
Although, I am really excited that the 90s power of Shazam is on DC Universe right now. Yeah, I actually picked up the first trade from Comixology. Okay, the the, it, the graphic novel? Y- yeah, the, the because Ordway. the first trade is, is the graphic novel and some additional stuff. Yeah. No, the graphic novel's really good, because that's the one that Ordway wrote and painted. Yeah. Um, and then the ongoing, Ordway continued writing it. And he painted all the covers, but he didn't do the art for the interiors. It's still good. It's really good, but it's clearly he did not have time to do that on a monthly basis. Well, no. Um, also, I'm, I'm excited because I only ever got to read bits and pieces of the series. So reading it from start to finish is going to be fun. And I'm really looking forward to getting to when power of shazam crossed over with starman i remember that yeah reading starman yeah because yeah. because it's yeah, a crossover thing it's a crossover that makes perfect sense it does if i remember correctly it does make perfect sense well just in terms of like starman is a book that's all about a legacy that goes back to the golden age and captain marvel is a character that's basically been plucked whole cloth out of the Golden Age. Like, they were both throwback books in very different ways. Yeah. I'm also slightly interested in reading some 70s Captain Marvel, because I'm just... Yeah. Want... Bronze Age stuff is just fascinating. I've not cracked it open yet and i'm not actually sure if it's the bronze age stuff or earlier but um but i actually have the black and white showcase volume one of captain marvel there is a comiXology um captain marvel comics of course they're having a captain marvel sale right now yeah yeah 83 percent off that's that's not bad all month um, the the Roy Thomas miniseries is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, um, um, but it's go ahead. It, it has some similarities to what Ordway did later, um, but not quite. Like Ordway basically jumps straight to Black Adam, whereas Thomas did a version of Doctor Savannah first. Okay. But, yes, Shazam, A Celebration of 75 Years, I'm not sure what all is in it. Oh, yeah, they, they, they've been doing those with a bunch of characters, like the, the 75-year like anthology book. Mm-hmm. Because um, they, I remember they did one for, like, Superman and, like, I think even maybe Lois Lane got one. Like, they, they did several. Hold up. DC fan will let me know. <laughs> okay, it's got Wiz Comics number two. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain, sorry, Wiz Comics twenty one, Captain Marvel Adventures eighteen, introducing Mary Marvel. Right. Um, Captain Marvel Junior number twelve, Baffinland. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like it's got a couple of chapters of the Monster Society seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Family number one. The Mighty Marvels Joined Forces. Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. 
Uh, number six. You know he's canon uh, again? I think so, yeah. Like in in the recent Shazam book, um, Mary's pet bunny uh, gets hit by a stray bolt of the Shazam lightning when they transform. So he becomes a car- cartoon bunny? Well, he, he develops superpowers. Nice. Um, few more issues of Captain Marvel Adventures, including 148, Captain Marvel Battles the World. That's a good one. That that that, that was the very last Fawcett Captain Marvel comic. Yeah. Uh, Superman 276, Mate Way for Captain Thunder. Yeah. So they include Captain Thunder in there. Yeah, because that was the, the sort of alt-universe version before DC actually went all in on doing a Captain Marvel character. Yeah. Shazam number one, in the beginning, the world's wickedest plan. Uh, Shazam number 29, Ibok meets Aunt Minerva. Mm-hmm. Uh, world's finest 275, the snatching of Billy Batson. DC Comics presents 49, Superman and Shazam. Yeah. L-E-G-I-O-N, number 31, Where Dreams End. Um, we've got Power of Shazam 1 and 2, Power of Shazam 33, Action Comics 768, Oh, Captain, My Captain, and I think I know which one that is. Oh, no, it isn't. Ooh, that actually looks pretty good. It's a late 2000, early 2000s one with Joe Kelly and... Oh, I'm going to check that out. Sorry. Um, JSA 48, Shazam, Monster Society of Evil number 2, and Justice League Volume 2, 21, Shazam, the new 52 one, which no one cares about. I, I had an issue from... Must have been like mid '90s when I way back when, um, and I forget who the actual villain of the story was, but someone had cast a spell or something that made Captain Marvel see Superman as Black Adam, and Superman saw Captain Marvel as the cyborg Superman. Yeah, that's from the <clears throat> '90s. Yeah. It's the it's, it's just after the death of Clark Kent. Right. So Clark and his parents are touring the United States yep. in a in a um Winnebago. <laughs> like I remember having that one issue. Which now that I think about that Captain Marvel series, the one from the T V show, I'm like, hold on, that's that's a little bit familiar. Right. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fun when they make Captain Marvel and Superman clash. I know they like to do it a lot because of the whole history between the two, mm-hmm. both real world and fictional. Yeah, well, and the honestly, uh, Justice League Unlimited did it very well. Yeah. Um, by, yeah. By, real, by having Lex exploit Billy's naivete. Yeah. Which is a variation on what happened in Kingdom Come, but still. True. And it's something they they just like to, you know, this incredibly powerful person is really a little kid. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We should talk about Marvel We comics. should really.
afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. It's finally here. Coming to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. General? Would you care to step outside? It's Superman 2 Movie Minute. Chris Franklin and Rob Kelly are back to discuss 1980's Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Superman faces his toughest challenge when he squares off against Lex Luthor and three villains from the planet Krypton. Superman 2 Movie Minute, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Man, this is going to be good. It's Energize Spider-Man with Spider-Sense. Battery not included. Turn the Spider-Sense activator. Red Dragon appears to go into action. Attach the web climber. Flip the switch. And he climbs automatically. Energize Spider-Man. The motorized web. It pulls. It lifts. The Spider-Light to climb at night. The Spider-Copter sold separately with Spider-Sense panel. The power pack turns on the copter. We're off to get the Red Dragon. Energize Spider-Man with Spider-Sense comes with communicator. Spider-Copter sold separately from Remco. I have coffee now. Good. 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 Okay. The coffee is the life. The coffee must flow. <laughs> Caffeine actually is addictive. Indeed. So that we, we got that going for us. <laughs> Sex, drugs, and vampires. <laughs> and and voodoo for some reason. Yep. That might be the title here. Sex, drugs, vampires, and voodoo. <laughs> okay. And you're crazy if you think I'm not using um, the the TV ads for that musical about vampires. Because, <laughs> oh my uh, god. Which which musical about vampires? Because I can name a few. The one with Michael Crawford. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dance of the Vampires. Dance of the Vampires, which is basically the Vampire Hunters. The, I can't remember Yeah, the it's based right on the, the, the Polanski movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a huge hit in Europe. Oh yeah, the musical was a big hit in, in Europe too. It's just when they that, tried to put it—that's what I'm saying. It... Like that's what I'm saying. The the musical in Germany was huge, um, but Crawford wasn't in that version. When they hired Crawford for the American version, he insisted on rewrites. Of course he did. He wanted it to be way campier than what the German version was. That's an odd choice on his part, but okay. And and so it, that that was. Basically, the two shows, even though they share a title, are and they share most of the same songs, they are almost totally different musicals. Something was lost in translation. Um, which actually, uh, René Aubergenois, uh, Odo, was in Dance of the Vampires. Really? Pretty sure he played the Polanski character, like the older vampire hunter. Wow. No, that wasn't Polanski. That, th- he played the younger vampire hunter. Oh, no, you're right. Polanski was the younger. Well, Aubergenois played the older one. Okay. Yeah. Go figure. Um, which, I mean, that he got he did a lot of Broadway stuff back then. He, he also, Aubergenois was also in the original Broadway cast of Big River. That makes sense. He, he strikes me as a musical man. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Let's go and record for um, Tomb of Dracula. Okay. So, unrelated to Marvel stuff, uh... DC is actually trying to make Jimmy Olsen awesome again. I, you know, I saw the pictures from that and it actually looked awesome. Well, you know, he, he's getting a solo book by Fraction. Yeah, and Matt Fraction's awesome. Right. And I, I didn't buy... Because the, the story launched, I think, in the like Leviathan Rising special or whatever. But that was a $10 book and I wasn't paying $10 for a Superman comic. Really? There was a $10 Superman comic? 
it was one of the like big specials that's like a lot more pages than usual, and it's Th- fancier still, binding and all that. That's still ten dollars. Yeah, and and at Heroes, Yorg would not have charged me full price. He would have knocked something off of it. But it was, I had a lot of other stuff to get that day. I wasn't getting that book too. Actually, I say this, but I spent five dollars for the latest ish- digital issue of Spider-Man Life Story. Oh, I, well, I bought the print copy, so you know, it's a damn good book. Yep, I actually I hadn't been getting it. And then, within a matter of, like, 24 hours, both you and Chad Bowers both told me I should be reading it. See. And so I picked, and it, I, so I picked up, like, the latest issue and then the two previous issues. It's, it's actually really good. Yep. Um, it, I, I do find it kind of funny, though, that, like, all the bad stuff that happens to Peter Parker for that decade seems to all happen in one day. Right, right. I suppose it's kind of the nature of the beast, but still... But it, I guess it's also the sort of, even if it doesn't literally happen all in that day, the it sort of feels like it does. Like, all of the bad things all sort of come to the surface, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the nature of the beast for that sort of series. Sure, sure. Like, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the concept is more important than the logic. Yes. Um, but it's also that Chip Zdarsky probably is hands down, like issue by issue one of the best writers of spider-man maybe of all time okay this is the first thing i've read by him actually so so just in terms of not so much in terms of quantity written because dan slot i think has the record for that now um but like in terms of the number of high quality stories he has told versus the total number of stories he has told like almost everything he's done has been fantastic in in spider-man because he had uh i forget which uh he had the secondary Spidey book for a while. Like, while Slot was on the main book, he had a secondary title he was writing. Okay. And there's a really great... I mean, he did a bunch of really good issues, but there's one where it's... Uh, Spider-Man agrees to, a, to an on-the-record one-on-one interview with J. Jonah Jameson. And so the whole issue is Spider-Man and Jameson going back and forth over dinner. And I guess now Jameson knows that Peter is Spider-Man and helps him out... This is the issue where that happens. Okay, I might need to read that issue. Yeah. Like, like it is so good. Uh, there's, a, there's a moment where Jameson, without a shred of irony or anything, says to Spider-Man, you don't know the first thing about responsibility. Dang it, I have to read this now. <laughs> Alright, let's, let's record Tomb of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting this to put in our next outtakes episode, though. It's sure. <laughs> All right, counting in in five, four, three, two, one. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan, how's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Got to give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? (laughs) Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. 
That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. <laughs> Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Phantasm, the film that puts the fun in funeral. And as for a fiendish story, it does have a burial plot. Come prepared to scream, because if this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Phantasm from Avco Embassy Pictures. Rated R under 17, not admitted without parent or guardian. Oh, midnight preview tonight, UA Westwood Theater. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for this special outtakes episode of the Tomb of Ideas. But Trey and I will be back next week with our regular scheduled program uh, where we talk about Tales of the Zombie, number two, and Strange Tales, number 170, The Return of Brother Voodoo. In the meantime, folks, you can, of course, as always, contact us at tombofideas at gmail.com, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tombofideas, and our Twitter at tombofideas. Tomb Believers, we just want you to know how much... We appreciate you all so very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tomb Believers, Excelsior! <laughs>